Well, hello everyone. Welcome back to Citizen Dame. This is episode two and we're so excited to have you all with us. I am Karen Peterson and as always, I am here with Kristen Lopez. Hello, hello. Lauren Humphreys Brooks. Hello. And Kimberly Pierce. Hello. So, so we've got a lot that we want to talk about this week. I think that we should start off with something fun. One thing that one thing that this time of year really brings out is, you know, we look forward to the movies that are coming out at the last, you know, the last quarter of the year. So we're going to start off just talking about a couple of our most anticipated films for the rest of 2017. So Kristen, what are a couple of yours? Okay, so I have a couple movies I'm excited for. Um, My number one most anticipated of the year is Call Me By Your Name, which comes out in November. Uh, it's exactly shocking considering it's me so that's that's up there i'm also looking forward to oh gosh i had a list um i know suburbicon is on the list too again not surprising but that wasn't my number one uh or my number two i don't remember what my number two was uh a couple couple others that i'm looking forward to like chappaquiddick uh i tanya that's the other that's my number two so i am i am all prepped go back to the 80s with my uh, Tanya Harding side pony. So <laughs> those are those are the big ones that I'm excited for. Tanya Harding does look like a lot of fun. How about you, Lauren? Uh, the Shape of the Water is a big one for me. Yes. The new Guillermo del Toro film. Um, I'm really, it's gotten such great reviews already coming out of festivals. And I'm just, I'm very, very excited about that. And Loving Vincent, again, another one that's getting really interesting reviews. It's the animated Vincent Vincent Van Gogh film. And yeah. I'm really looking forward to that because, again, it's, it, it's had sort of middling reviews in terms of the story, but the animation itself just looks so beautiful. And Murder on the Orient Express, actually, <laughs> I am very excited about. I'm a huge Agatha Christie fan. I'm a huge Poirot fan. And I really like Kenneth Branagh. So I, I think that that's, that's one that I'm just looking forward to is like, that's actually something I will go to see in the movie theater. I am so excited that I'm not the only one. And we're going to talk more about Murder on the Orient Express in just a minute. But Kimberly, what are a couple of yours? Well, I actually have to echo Murder on the Orient Express as well. Am I the um, only I... one that's going to see Murder on the <laughs> Orient Express purely for selfish, unnecessary purposes? Because I have a reason. Yes. But it has nothing to do with plot. <laughs> Well, my selfish reasons are Kenneth Branagh. I've been a fan of his back since watching the ha- his Hamlet version in middle school. But that cast they've assembled is just amazing, and I think I'm interested to see what he could do with what he can do with it. I have some worries about just the look of the character and the look of the film, but I'm that's definitely one of the ones I've been excited for since January. Um, I have to take the unoriginal answer and say Star Wars. Oh yeah, that's also happening this year. That's sure. <laughs> December, what, 9th ish? 16th? I mean, I'll yeah. be there. It's just I'm like the worst Star Wars. I don't even think <laughs> I'm a fan. I, I just go for the BB 8 and Oscar Isaac love. So I'm the worst That's person. all you need. Yeah, exactly. I'm the worst person. When people ask me, like, oh, you're going to see Star Wars, I'm like, don't ask me specifics because I don't know anything about the franchise. <laughs> <laughs> and then film that film stars don't die in Liverpool yes. intrigues the heck out of me uh-uh. as well. Really excited yeah. to uh, Annette Benning doing Gloria Graham. That just really excited to what she can do with that. I'm both excited yeah. and frightened, but I I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, I'm going to just jump on the Star Wars thing, but that's because I have been obsessed with Star Wars 
basically since birth. Um, and like when I was a kid, my brother and I would watch Star Wars. We had a, a bootlegged VHS that my dad had made, which I actually still have the tape. And uh, we would watch that instead of Saturday morning cartoons. I literally cannot possibly calculate how many times I've seen the original Star Wars. So anything Star Wars related, that's always going to be the top of my list. But I'm also really excited uh, for Shape of Water, too. I think Murder on the Orient Express is going to be just fun. Um, of course, I have to throw out American Maid, starring my boy Tom Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> and then another one that I'm really looking forward to seeing is Lady Bird. Yes. Yes, definitely. Filmed yeah. in my hometown, yeah. uh, Sacramento, so yeah. I'm so excited. Yeah, I, I hope that it's as good as everyone's saying, and I bet it probably is. <laughs> Uh, so with that, why don't we just go ahead and jump right into Murder on the Art Express. Oh, yeah. The trailer came out this week. Did everybody get a chance to watch yep. it? Yep. Yes. And let's start with Kimberly. What did you think? Uh, you know, my one worry about the film is I, Johnny Depp. Uh, that's a lot more. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I was dreading it the entire time. Yep. And <laughs> I'm desperately trying to stay helpful. Yeah. Uh, now, Kristen, I know that you have some feelings and thoughts. So, yeah. <laughs> Particularly about Mr. Uh, Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. Uh, and we can go more into depth about this in a second, especially with what's been going on, like, in film Twitter. I don't get why Johnny Depp is still yeah. a thing. Like, his movies are failing left and right. I'm sick of seeing him playing stupid characters. And I, I'm saying that, like, with all... Like, Mike Myers, I say the same thing. I'm sick of him playing stupid characters. Like, I want a performance, not an impersonation. Johnny Depp doesn't really bother me as much in this, because, okay. spoiler alert, we all know he's the guy that dies. <laughs> very true. So, I doubt he'll be in it very yeah. long, which is only beneficial to this movie. And and he plays well, a really unpleasant <laughs> character also. I mean, I'm, I'm for it, because it's got Leslie Odom Jr., so I, I know that he won't sing Hamilton, but I kind of wish he would. And it's got the the guy who's going to be sexy <laughs> far and the guy Richie Aladdin, so well, that's beneficial. I'm I'm guessing he's not going to have his shirt off, but you know I can dream, can't I? So really, that's about it. And Michelle Pfeiffer's in it, like the, the Pfeiffer, Judy Dench. Yeah, Judy Dench. I was going to say the Pfeiffer Sons or whatever we're calling her return to to form. I don't know. The only thing I keep saying about this trailer is why are we continuing to make this Imagine Dragons song? like a thing with it why is it in both trailers is it gonna be the theme of this movie or I'm is it so. is it gonna play like i just i it is the weirdest song to put with a agatha christie period adaptation directed by kenneth branagh like why don't we just get steely dan or something like acdc i don't understand the the musical choices well, they're, they're trying trailer. to appeal to the youth obviously <laughs> Oh, okay, that's right. The quote of the youth, the youth. Hello, who are, who are into you know into Agatha Christie, as it were, and and need and Imagine yes. Dragons. Yes, we're hoping to attract both uh, the Britney Spears fans and the classic yeah, literati. Absolutely. So, so perhaps they're just assuming that people will go for the Imagine Dragons <laughs> song because, and if it's not in there, they're going to be <laughs> really yeah, upset. Yeah. <laughs> going to have some ticked uh, off millennials. And I was just going to say about Johnny Depp, John, the Johnny Depp saga has been, for me, one of the most heartbreaking ones. Because I loved Johnny. Uh, when I was a teenager oh, yeah. and into being Agreed. a college student oh, and everything, like, he was just 
And and he always seemed like, to me at least, he always seems like he was one of the good ones. And then it turns out that he's not, and that's just very heartbreaking. But just in terms of his career, he's a good actor. And I don't know what has happened to him. Because... Yeah, I, I will say... I will say yeah. somebody who in high school, and I'm not kidding, I feel very bad admitting this, I was treasurer of the Johnny Depp Appreciation League, <laughs> which was a group that me and my friends started. Own oh it. yeah, I was treasurer. We collected Own no that. money, but I was treasurer and I felt proud. So yeah, I, I was a huge Johnny Depp fan. And I mean, this was just coupled with the fact that he's obviously not trying yeah. anymore. I think that also hurts is that at this point and now knowing about his personal like issues, he's not trying. This is all paycheck work and it really shows. And I think that also hurts. Mm -hmm. Not only is he like a garbage human, but he's also not interested in actually giving his fans a performance. Yeah, and that is really, it's so hard to watch that because I grew up with, you know, seeing Mm -hmm. him in Edward Scissorhands and I was obsessed with 21 Jump Street and... You know, all those things. I know I'm showing my age a little bit with that. But, but yeah, like, I I have seen Johnny Depp when he was really just nailing it. And he was putting mm-hmm. putting out all these amazing performances. And he was worthy of yeah. his Oscar nominations, you know. And, and so to see what has happened to him now and how he's just checked out and just doesn't give a shit anymore. It's so hard to watch that happen. And it just makes it so hard to be at all interested in seeing any of his films anymore which is why i'm glad that he has such a small part in this one but yeah just in general it's just like i mean what's gonna happen now what where does he go from here i feel like he's just been doing jack sparrow jack sparrow happened and he's just been doing incarnations of that for the last that that last movie 15 years we did not make nearly as much money as the others no nor did it deserve it oh yeah no exactly pirates of the caribbean whatever the fuck it was is probably one of the worst movies i've seen this year it's that bad and we want to give him i mean say what you will about whether the dark universe is ever gonna happen but you know he's gonna be part of it really yeah, well, yeah. he'll be the in- he's the invisible man, right? So he he won't even have to show up for that one. <laughs> the right. ultimate apotheosis of not trying. Yeah. Well, but even Jack Sparrow, <laughs> Jack Sparrow was a great character in the first Pirates. Like it, yes. it's and it's a great yes. performance. He's exactly, hilarious. the first he's fun. one. You like having him around, like all of that shit. And it's just he's fallen off so much. And I mean, like John- Johnny Depp was the reason I read Hunter S. Thompson for the first time, and that was. Same and that was that, and that's been like a major <laughs> mm-hmm. formative thing for me. This is like incredibly important to me. Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is incredibly important. So again, it's it's just looking at that and being like, man, why, why, Johnny? You didn't have to go this way. I know it's um, it's so sad to see that. So, what do you think happens next for him? How long is Hollywood going to let him keep doing this? Based on how long they let others do whatever they want. Until the movies bomb so horribly and exactly. make zero dollars. I do. Even Mordecai. I mean, Mordecai got horrible reviews. It made no money. And he's still in franchises. Uh, you know, I almost, I, I guess I yeah. just have this hope. Being in something like Murder on the Orient Express, where he isn't the feature. He isn't the center of attention. He's not going to be the lead. You know, Kenneth Branagh is the lead. And, and there's a... a a high possibility that he's not that he's barely going to be in the film ultimately 
um, maybe that'll be better for him. Maybe it will be better to see him in doing a character part versus being like the the mugging um, Captain Jack or or the Mad Hatter or whatever else. Because he's just tried so he tries so hard to just overburden the screen. Here, here's a question: What's the last good Johnny Depp movie? Last good one where he was actually good. Sweeney Todd. Ooh, Sweeney Todd. I yeah, was gonna. I was. I, w- I, I was gonna agree. say Public Enemies. See, I was. I enjoy, I will freely admit I enjoyed the oh, first, yeah, first Pirates, Pirates movie. movie's really good. I I rewatched that. Oh, first one was great. Sweeney, Sweeney Todd was great. after Public- that though. So. Oh, was it after that? Uh-huh. Yeah, Public Enemies I think is my favorite, mostly because it's a very me type of movie. It's set in set in the forties, and I I enjoy anybody that's gonna rock a fedora. But that was like the fir- last time where I thought like, oh, he's really. <laughs> and he was nice. very subdued, and it was actually good. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a really underrated movie. And Sleepy yeah. Hollow was oh, formative depth for me. That was yeah. that was when I was really into him. I have many a fond memory watching Sleepy Hollow with my friends again in the Johnny Depp Appreciation League, um, and making grossly inappropriate comments. And I'm sure my mother did not want to know about. Well, so. and he's gorgeous in that. <sighs> Thanks. Thanks, Johnny Depp. <laughs> he, he is. is. <laughs> he's just dropped dead yeah. gorgeous in, in Sleepy Hollow. Like I, I still love that movie. I don't care. <laughs> and Halloween is coming up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's, it's time to watch it. Oh, good time but to just, revisit it. Uh, just to move away from Johnny Depp, I am excited, somewhat excited, to see Branagh's version of Poirot uh, and what he what he does with that, other yeah. than the mustache. Mm-hmm. The mustache worries me. That mustache <laughs> is... That that worries me, too. I just was talking about that on Twitter. I don't know. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> you gotta own a mustache. But like yeah, that. no, I... What I'm glad about is the fact that Poirot is actually French because I get so frustrated in films where um, you have a... Well, yeah, but I mean... (laughs) Okay, yeah, you're right. But I get so tired of, of these characters that are supposed to be any any nationality yeah. but they have a british accent yeah but it's like come but on you always no. worry about with the french performances getting more like less charles boyer more steve martin in the pink panther yeah yes but if anybody can pull it off it's gonna be kenneth branagh i think so but that's true yeah well and poirot as a character always walks that line between being ridiculous because he's he is this extreme figure you know the way that christy describes him as being like this little egg-shaped man uh, with ridiculous mustaches, and and but then also being incredibly intelligent, incredibly capable, um, catching all of these criminals and kind of lulling right. them into a false sense of security because he's so ridiculous, and so playing up his kind of um, the his extremity is is perfectly legit. The the thing that bothers me about the mustache mm-hmm. is that it's almost too extreme. If you watch any of the other Poirot adaptations from uh, David Suchet or Albert Finney or Peter Ustinov, the, the mustaches are there, but it's not, like, exploding off of the screen. This is, like, Deadwood. Yes, very much so. Egregious. Yeah, it's, and it, it doesn't really feel like it's period accurate because it's, yeah, it's 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 like nineteenth yeah. century. That's cowboy. true. It's I hadn't even bizarre. thought of that. And it should, in theory, and it's the twenties. It would be a lot more trimmed. Yeah, a lot more. I mean, I the best example is David Suchet. Very like mm-hmm. proper and very precise, but but controlled. And that and his mustache makes sense. Uh, Brano's mustache does not make sense to me. I am very very worried about Brano's mustache. Well, I'm hoping there's something to make it 
I guess, relevant in the film in some way. Like, I don't know. The relevancy of I his mustache. We'll what happens. <laughs> right. Like, I, I know that sounds stupid, but, you know, like, I just hope that there's some point to it. It becomes obvious when you watch it, and it's not just there, like, just this glaring thing the whole time, so. And so that comes out, what, in a couple weeks? November. November, I guess. November. So, yeah. So, all right. So then we also, we had a couple of trailers this week. So we also had the Isle of Dogs. What did we all think of the new Wes Anderson cle- or stop motion? The animation or stop motion looks fantastic. I'm very intrigued with what he's doing animation-wise. Fantastic Mr. Fox is a great movie. This looks even more sophisticated or at least presenting a different genre. My issue was don't tell me that this is a movie set in Japan and you have all white actors. <laughs> Talking. That's that's kind of my issue, predominantly. I mean, you have a Japanese little boy, I guess, going to this island where dogs have been out shunted because there's a virus, and he's trying to save his dog. But every single person in this movie is white, at least the voice cast. I know there are some people that say that doesn't matter if it's an animated movie, and we saw that what was it last year with Kubo and the Two Strings, but. Yeah, I mean, I I give Wes Anderson credit. Again, Fantastic Mr. Fox is great. There's nothing that he's made that I've outright hated, but he's usually one of those directors where I just kind of shake my head and say, Wes, come on. Well, I mean, that is an interesting question because I did think about that too, and the cast is very much a Wes Anderson cast. But, um, I mean, most of them have been in other films of his before. Now, one thing that I do think about is a lot of times like there are anime films that are Japanese that are redubbed for an American audience using American actors so is this different Ooh, yeah Yeah. how so I'll let Lauren say why (laughs) uh I well I think that it's different because uh most of the films that you're talking about you can first of all watch them in Japanese usually all of the Studio Ghibli films you know, if you buy the Blu-ray or if you get, you know, you watch them on Netflix or anything like that, you can usually w- actually watch them in Japanese. And Japanese actors have been paid. They've been paid to give those performances, and they were the original actors giving those performances. When you come to something like this, Anderson had a choice about who he hired. And, uh, you know, and he chose to hire Scarlett Johansson uh, and Bill Murray, you know, and I get it's a Wes Anderson movie, but okay, so then why are we setting it in Japan? Why can't we say, you know... Why aren't we setting it in the Orkneys? It's set in the future. It's uh, set in a distant future, so you could literally put it anywhere. Right. Yeah, so so having... It, it, there, it does... I love Wes Anderson, and I do want to see this film, and I love Fantastic Mr. Fox, but it really reeks of Orientalism. And, it, and it's something that and, you can really lob at a lot of these niche indie directors. Sofia Coppola took criticism earlier this year for yeah. for having, you know, all of her films have been predominantly white actors. So, you know, it's for me, it's just kind of continuing this trend that a lot of these indie directors really don't look outside their worldview, even though they can imagine stories happening in places that they don't know about. But they don't ever go from a hiring standpoint beyond the the confines of what they know or who they know. Yeah, it's true. And it's kind of funny that Scarlett Johansson is in this after she was just in the middle of another whitewashing controversy earlier this year right. with the ghost in the shell. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So I, I just, I think that it's, an interesting choice. I do wish that he would branch out a little bit more. 
or a lot more <laughs> and get out of that you know I mean it's fun that he always has like kind of his Wes Anderson troop but again I mean like like you pointed out Kristen why does it have to be set where it's set you know like why why didn't he put it somewhere else with different you know he could have a very international cast if you chose to instead he's boxing himself in so Kimberly did you have any thoughts on that nothing really beyond what you ladies are saying I think you've hit the nail right on the head and that comes out next March so does yeah so we've got some time on that so let's see other trailers that we had this week um Pitch Perfect 3 has a new trailer out how do we feel about the Pitch Perfect franchise okay so let's throw this out there I saw the first Pitch Perfect in theaters and I felt that even though it's directed by somebody who is a Broadway veteran, it felt like Bring It On only on stage. It, watch both movies together. They are practically the same movie. Um, but I like the first Pitch Perfect. I think it's funny. I think it's inventive. I, I love the cast. It felt, dare I say, fresh. Not the most, you know, relatable movie, but, and it wasn't reinventing the wheel, but it felt like something different. And then you got the sequel, which I hated. I know it's directed by a woman this time, it's directed by Elizabeth Banks, and it was the most boring movie. My problem at this point with the third one is that these were characters that when we started, and this is what I hate about a lot of franchise movies, that obviously don't have a plan outside of the first film. So you have Anna Kendrick, who starts out this movie, or this franchise, as having a goal. She was forced to go to college because she wanted to go to LA and become a music producer. And this movie comes out, and she's, I'm sorry, Anna Kendrick is 30 playing, I don't know, mid-20s? And she's still trying to, like, I don't know anything else but acapella. Like, you girls are, you got, you are women. You are grown-ass women who don't have any goals or ambitions or knowledge outside of we're trying to keep playing acapella because we don't know what to do. Like, you could still hang out and have a life like that's always been my problem with these movies um and the trailer for this looks no different you know they're they're coming up against younger newer versions of themselves hot funny haha because that's how hollywood is but i'm sitting there thinking don't you bitches have jobs or like bills you have to pay how, how are you still like traveling around the world doing acapella and you're upset that you're you're being replaced by young upstarts they are essentially the loser dudes from the first film that didn't know when to let go. Well, <laughs> you and... know, how is this? <laughs> go on. Right. Well, and the trailer just keeps hammering that home. Like they have nothing yeah. better to do. And of course, then they're being razzed by these two acapella, like, what are they podcasters or something that are like, what? These girls need to get jobs. It's like, what do you guys do all day? You're just doing yeah. this like acapella announcing thing. So yeah, so it's like, it's very, it's almost too self-aware, I think, <laughs> so. Yeah, and there's explosions in this, and once again, it's of course like there are. the plot of Rocky yeah. Four with them going on the U.S. USO, I'm sorry, is it 1944? I didn't know you were the Andrews sisters. Like, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not understanding how somebody got paid probably ex an exorbitant amount of money to write the script. <laughs> Maybe I'm being harsh. Maybe this movie will be great. I don't know, but I don't think it will be. I I, I can bear. I was not even. I was not a fan of the first one. I tried a few times, and it's. Just, I've seen this. I did not see the second one. Watched this trailer a couple of times through, and it 
my thoughts going through my head were, why do we need another one? It, like you said, it just seems like a rehash. It's, it doesn't make sense to me. This whole franchise is just, I, it's not my thing. This is the Christmas week movie this year. Yeah. It got a Christmas release? Yep. December kidding. 22nd release, yep. But I believe that Pitch Perfect well, 2 came out film. at Christmas as well. Because I remember, I saw that with my sister when she was home for, for break, you know. So, I think it's I can, just following I can tell suit. You, Pitch but... Perfect 2 came out May 15th, actually. Wait, really? Oh, maybe it was she a was summer home for release. Christmas. Or for summer, then. Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a pre-Memorial Day release, so. Huh, that's really interesting that they jumped to... The week after Star Wars, then. <laughs> that means they have the very little faith, I'm assuming. Yeah, they're hoping it'll get buried. Yeah. So we're counting on it to be. Lauren, do you have any thoughts on... I do not have strong feelings about the Pitch Perfect franchise. Uh, I saw the first one, like, ages ago. I It was one of those that I was like, oh, this is entertaining, and then I forgot about it. So I, I, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with everyone else here. The trailer un- does not move me. I These are a bunch of actresses that I like. I mean, I will say that I enjoy watching them on screen, but I, I don't see why I, sh- I should watch this movie yeah. at all. Unfortunately, I, I think we're all in agreement there. So so let's talk about another female-centric film uh, trailer that came out and received a lot of criticism for the poster, and that would be Tomb Raider starring Alicia Vikander. So what did okay. you guys think about the poster? <laughs> um, I, I, well, I will say, okay, so... so- background i like the first angelina jolie tomb raider um i like it it's got ian glenn in it it's all good daniel craig's there like it's great to see everybody i haven't seen the second one it looks stupid um this i have no real interest either way i love alicia v Kander, but i don't think she's proven herself as action girl yet she's great as like calculating side person that you really underestimate like an ex machina or man from uncle i don't know if that translates to leading lady in an action franchise again i think of someone like amelia clark we all thought she you know played the khaleesi so that obviously means she can play linda hamilton in a terminator movie that did not work so i have very little hope for uh, a new tomb raider starring her the trailer inspired no confidence the poster though (laughs) <laughs> it was interesting because a lot of female critics took it as we were making fun of Alicia Vikander. We weren't. Right. We were making fun of how the marketing manipulated her body into Okay, it's like watching it's like literally thinking that the poster discussion with the dudes cuz let's all face it, it was dudes who, who photoshopped this poster. They were like, "Okay, well we want her ass in the shot, but we also want her boobs." And we need her face so we don't look sexist. So what do we do? We <laughs> contort her neck so it looks like she's like def- like Meryl Streep in Death Becomes Her when she had that weird piece of spine sticking out of her neck. That's what I'm assuming. You know, that's what we were making fun of, is that they obviously contorted her body via Photoshop so that you could get all the things they wanted to sell, which was tits, ass, and Alicia Vikander's face. So that was my problem. Well, it's it's very video gamey. Well, what it made me think of was that in terms of the comic books, where my head went first off was that movement a few years back, and I can't, I, the artist is escaping me, but somebody drew Hawkeye in the position, in just various comic yeah. book cover positions to show I how silly <laughs> it looks 
to have a man posed how they pose these female characters. And it was doing the exact same thing. And it's she would have had to have dislocated her neck to hit that pose. And it just it really hurt the movie for me. Which and I was really looking forward to it. I like Alicia Vikander a lot, and it between the trailer and that poster, I'm really worried for it now. Yeah, the the trailer just looks very incredibly predictable. Um, it's all it's it's like they're they're checking off things. It's just like oh, we have dead father. Okay, we've got that. We've got she's got to go on an adventure. I mean, they even have like the grizzled British guy played by I think Nick Frost. Yes. Go, you know, being like, oh, well, and, and then she gets the guns. She's like, I'll take two. You know, it's it's so cliched. And, you know, I, I, I can see that being fun if they do it in kind of a tongue-in-cheek way and really, like, ramp it up and enjoy it a lot. But that's not the impression that I was getting from the trailer. I was getting just like, ah, this is a pretty stan- bog-standard action movie that we've seen 50 times before, and, and why are we watching mm-hmm. it again? When, when you talk about the poster, the one, one thing that struck me about it is that it's very video game Yeah. You know, and, and there were jokes about Lara Croft back during, like, the first few iterations of the game also that, you know, if she was a real human being, she would fall over. Like, her spine would snap. Mm-hmm. Because her body proportions, there's no one, no one, literally no one looks like that. And it had that element to it, so, you know... <laughs> I'm just wondering, like, so you still, you guys still don't know what women look like. Wow. Well, and it just makes me wonder, like, did they really think we wouldn't notice? Like, how did they think they were going to get away with that? Or did they just not care? They just don't care. They just don't care. Yeah. Yeah, this is catering to men. So, you know, a man's not. A certain type of man, too. Yeah. It's really disappointing is what it is. So, but in general, I think. How do we all feel about Tomb Raider? Are we planning on seeing it? Yes? No? I, I mean, I, I probably will. I'll probably get a press screening for it. I'll probably go. Uh, we've talked about it before. Nah. It comes out the same month as Red Sparrow. So, yeah. you know. It's a one-two punch right yeah. there. Yeah. Banner month for women. In action. So yeah, that's yeah, also, I'll, that's I'll also see it. Yeah. So, all right. Well, so... Speaking of Alicia Vikander, who is a former Academy, well, not a former, she is an Academy Award winner. Um, let's talk a little bit about the state of the race for Best Actress and Best Supporting Actress this year. I think that it's been really exciting to pay attention to what's going on and the films that are coming out and the conversations that are happening. It seems like there's a lot more happening in the actress side of things than in the actors uh, this year. So. What are we all thinking about it, about the race in general, before we get into specific people, names we'd like to see in there? Yeah, this has been a really weird Oscar season. And, you know, you could put your put put your money wherever it is, whether it's the election or something. This, this year, movie-wise, has been very odd. But the actress field is pretty much stacked. Like, I haven't seen yeah. as many people say, oh, this actress is really good, this actress. I mean, you are flush for choice when it comes to best actress to the point where best actor like I don't a lot of male pundits are saying this year is really blah there's not a lot of actors that I'm really excited about whoever gets it'll probably just be a walk or it'll be a a, you know surprise but the ladies are taking it my my thing always is with actress is we usually get either the ingenue or the 
older actress whose time it is, you know, her due. But this year, you could really argue that that's not necessarily the case, considering so many contenders. You know, it's not nearly as cut and dry as it is in years past. Yeah, and it's really exciting to see how, uh, I mean, this year, there are easily seven or eight actresses that could make it in lead. And any one of them not getting in is going to feel like they got snubbed, even though the five that are there will probably all really feel like they deserve to be there. So, And, it's, and a couple of them, what I'm really excited about is a couple of these actresses are in movies directed and written by women. Mm-hmm. That's a good point, too. Yeah. Lauren, Kimberly, any thoughts before we get into some some names we'd like to talk about? I, I think I'm pretty much in agreement with you guys. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm going to be really boring and just be like, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I, I do think it would be, you know, I was just thinking about this as you were saying, oh, they're really blah actors this year. I'm just like, okay, so how about we just have an all-female Oscars? Let's just do I'm that. totally okay That's just like this. everybody, I mean, we've got plenty of female directors coming up. We've got plenty of actresses. Just like, hey, all of the women, like the men can sit it out for this this time. I think that it's time Oscar's for that. Oscar's so honestly. female. I like it. Let's make it happen. <laughs> yeah, Oscar's, I mean, I was hashtag Oscar so lady. There we go, Kimberly. I was just sitting here trying to think of names on the male side, and I've had no shortage of female names who I could toss out. But it's really, it's a lot harder to think of the guys who are run, up in the running for it right now. Well, let's toss out a couple names. Kimberly, who is someone that on the morning that the nominations are announced, you're going to be really excited to hear her name called? Oh, this, see, this is a hard one. I've gotten so few of the movies in the running yet, so I have not seen many. Um, I am really excited for Battle of the Sexes, an original answer since yeah. she's already won, but Emma Stone has been a favorite of mine for a long time, and I'm really excited, to, and I'm thinking she probably would at least get a nomination as, out of it as yeah. someone who's seen it i'd say that's a pretty safe bet <laughs> yeah which i am really excited about because i we're not going to get into la la land right now i personally would rather she not have won for that but but i would be very because i think she's a really talented actress so i'm really i would love to see her back in the conversation this year for a, a great performance so lauren what about you uh well i'm i don't know if she's actually going to get it i'm hoping I'm hoping for Nicole Kidman for The Beguiled because she was just amazing in that. And also, and again, this is this is one of those like, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful? Kirsten Dunst yes. in, in The Beguiled, who, who in a cast full of really excellent actresses, young and old, she gave such a good performance. And I, while I think that probably Nicole Kidman has a, a higher possibility of of getting a nomination it would be great to see Kirsten Dunst in the yeah mix. I agree I, I really think that The Beguiled is one of those films that makes me really wish there was an ensemble cast award at the Oscars it'll, it, yeah, it'll, there... do, it'll do good come SAG I, at least I'm oh for it sure will. yeah it should yeah. because I mean The Beguiled yeah. did it started a campaign I want to say at, uh, shortly after release, I know they were screening it for Academy here and there, but I don't know if that's kind of tapered off. I I don't know if it's on the focus features for your consideration site. I hope it is. Uh, I'm not sure. I'll have to give that a check. But um, but I know that yeah, they did definitely start. They definitely started the campaign run a long time ago, and I hope that they don't back too much off of it with other films coming yeah. out. So. 
Well, see, and I, regarding the Beguiled, I was just thinking, I keep waiting for that to come out on DVD because October I missed 10th. that in the theatrical run. Is that when? October because 10th, I have it pre-ordered. <laughs> I was wondering if that's why it's stretching, because it premiered so early in the summer that yeah. the memory's kind of gone from it. So if they waited a bit longer, could that hopefully refresh people's minds with it and get it back in the conversation? Yeah, that's a good point, because you always have to be careful on, on when you release things. You don't want to do it too soon. You don't want to do it too late. But I think October is a good time to remind people that it's out there, and especially because it is such a, a film that does stay with you. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, it has a good pedigree. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Uh, Kristen, what about you? Well, I could say the beguiled. I'm biased. Yet, yeah, I mean, I I got to interview Sophia, so I'm very biased when it comes to the movie. So, I would love to see uh, you know, beguiled and everything. I think it deserves all of it. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. I'm tempted to say it's not because the Academy tends to screw me over every year with who <laughs> they nominate. I'd also love, in a perfect world, I'd also love Gal Gadot to get nominated for Wonder Woman, but I don't see that happening either. Actual people that I think could get it, and I'd be very happy to see them. Some of my favorite ladies, uh, Shersha Ronan for Lady Bird, Jessica Chastain for Molly's Game, which seems to mm-hmm. be a lock. And another lock that I'm really excited about is Margot Robbie for I, Tonya. If somebody had told me in a couple, if somebody had told me at like 16, 17 years old that they were going to make a Tonya Harding biopic and it would be (laughs) Oscar nominated, I would have laughed in their face and been really excited. I'm still excited. So those are the ones that I, my fingers are crossed. I mean, we'll probably see fucking Jennifer Lawrence for Mother, but that's not a disparagement against her before you guys roast me on Twitter. It's a disparagement against the movie. I actually took her out of my predictions this week, so... Oh, really? Okay, send your snarky comments to Karen, then. (laughs) (laughs) I did, but not because she gave a bad performance or because of my personal feelings on the film. It was really because when I look at the names that are that are out there and the films that are still to come I'm just like there are some great names and some really uh, amazing ladies that are probably going to get more attention than she will ultimately so I'm kind of counting on that a little bit but one person that I would love to see nominated is Frances McDormand because I love her so much I've loved her forever and I just would love to see her back back in the lineup well, this who, year. So. Who was it that won last year at the Oscars that said she's gonna get a nomination? I want to say somebody said in their speech, and I can't remember who it was. It was somebody. It was somebody big, and I can't remember who it was. Somebody can t- tweet us the answer, but yeah, somebody had mentioned that she was gonna be nominated next year, so hopefully, hopefully that happens. I would love to see it happen. And then another one that I threw in in the supporting category just this last week when it got a qualifying release date was Allison Janney in Itania. So I think that was I was just going to mention that one. So any other names you guys would like to throw out there? Um, There's a couple wild cards. I mean, Annette Bening is one of them for playing Gloria Graham. You know, you could say Judi Dench for Victoria and Abdul. Um, Mm -hmm. Sally Hawkins would be great for The Shape of Water. Couple, couple other people. I mean, Emma Stone seems like a safe bet. Same with like Meryl, because Meryl's nominated all the time. So right. I mean, you you'll probably see a couple, <laughs> a couple there. people where you're like, oh yeah. But I I get the suspicion that we might see one really odd wild card. Any guesses who that might be? 
or any hopes who that might be? I, I wouldn't be surprised if it was just like Judy Dench or like Jane Fonda. She's got that um, Netflix movie oh, <laughs> with, yeah. uh, with uh, Robert Redford, Redford coming out. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that might not, but probably won't happen, but it, stranger things have happened. <laughs> True. Kimberly, Lauren? I can't think of any wild cards that are just in my head right now. I mean, it, it's. It sounds like it just seems to me that there are there's so many like we I think we've listed about eight or ten people that are just like yes they should totally be a lock, so so having a wild card thrown in there you never know I mean Ju- Judy Dench is so popular and she's once again playing Victoria and I love Judy Dench I'm so tired of for just playing queens <laughs> but she's um, so good at it. <laughs> she's really good at it and you know props to her and i i mean i haven't seen the movie and everything it's just there's a there's fatigue going on here uh because i love those older actresses i just want them i just want to see them in more i guess complex roles than just we are going to play the dowager duchess or the dowager queen or the dowager something yeah no i get what you're saying i do think it would be kind of an interesting bookend to her career to get nominate her first nomination and her final nomination for playing queen victoria <laughs> so. yes that because probably well, wasn't her very, last very win for queen elizabeth <laughs> what's that wasn't her last win Shakespeare in Love, right? Yeah. Right, but her first nomination was for Queen Victoria. Right. So, yeah. So it's just her playing queens. Right. But that's how good she is. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, she's played other great roles, too. But, yeah, that seems to be the ones that get her the Academy love. So, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's going to be a really exciting race, I think, this year. And it's going to be fun to... Watch how it all plays out. There have already been, like we've mentioned, some great performances this year. And there's still a lot more to come. You know, you've got Lady Bird coming out. You've got, um, help me out here. What are some other ones that are still to come? Um, uh, Lady Bird. Sh- you have three billboards outside of Ebbings, Missouri with Francis McCormick. Shape of Water. Shape of Water. Yeah. Um, I, Tanya comes mm-hmm. out in December. So, yeah, a lot of a lot of good female-centric-y stuff in the next couple yeah. Battle of the Sexes yeah, next the week, right? Friday. That's true. Friday. Or this coming yeah. week? That actually opened in limited yeah, release week. this weekend and started in 16th place. I'm, I'm hoping so it does it better. Opened, 16th place. It had a pretty place. good debut for only opening in like 20 theaters, so. Well, and I know we haven't gotten it here in Denver yeah, at it, all. Yeah, it goes wide. There's, it goes wide Friday, so yeah. like Sacramento yeah. where yeah. I live, um, I saw it. They did two press screenings, so I saw it um, earlier this month, but it goes wide here on Friday. Yeah, I'm seeing it this weekend, so. That's my plan. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that one, so that should be good. Okay, so let's, last week we talked a little bit about, well, not a little, but we talked pretty much at length about the draft house situation. So let's give a little update. I know, Lauren, you've been really following it closely. Can you kind of give us an update on what happened uh, this what week. What we call the Raging Draft House dumpster fire. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I don't even remember what day it was. This cause this was a couple days ago um, that the, the news about Harry Knowles broke. And there was already uh, Harry Knowles, who's a um, uh, who's one of the founding members of and Fantastic the, Fest. Yes, Fantastic Correct Fest. Correct me if I'm co- wrong. Co- I believe that's... Co-creator, I think, of Fantastic Fest. Yeah, owner and, of Cool News, and uh, yeah, yeah, and owner of Cool News, and there had been some buzz even a couple of days before that that like Cool News had been dropped as the sponsor of Fantastic Fest, 
And there was a lot of buzz on Twitter, people talking he, about oh, something's had, coming. Had, they, uh, Harry Knowles had come out and said that they weren't going to sponsor Fantastic Fest this year. And when people had right. asked him why, the IndieWire article was very overt about saying he's only doing this to come out against allegations he swears are untrue. So really, he only did this because he knew that somebody was coming out, that anyone who was coming. the story had an article prepped that was going to accuse him of what they accused Yeah, and they, and it was, he was basically accused of um, sexual assault and sexual harassment uh, of at least one person, and it's, and since then several people have come out with uh, both direct messages on Twitter and um, other stories about him inappropriately grabbing them, groping them, uh, rubbing against them, sending them sexually explicit messages, things like that. Uh, so this this has obviously been a pattern. Now the the article, the 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 article, particularly focused on something that happened almost twenty years ago, and that this woman finally began talking about. So that sort of reignited, I guess. You know, Fantastic Fest just started, and that has reignited kind of all of the dialogue going on about. You had the Farachi stuff erupting again. You've got Harry Knowles. And then um, there were even circulating rumors that Tim League was going to quit. And it turned out that those were false. But there was, again, all of this bubbling anger, basically, that kind of came to the fore again. Meanwhile, I think it was yesterday, Fantastic Fest did one of their secret screenings. Last night, and the screening that they did, without warning people, without giving anyone any information, because that's the nature of a secret screening, they showed a lost Ed Wood film that was essentially a pornography, or a porno, and that also involved, uh, at least according to some sources, saying that, that this involved both depictions of incest and violence against women. They did a screening of, what was it, The Square, and had invited the actor yeah. to show up, and I guess no one knew what he was going to do. Supposedly there was a plan, and he proceeded to break stuff and start acting violent to the point that people were afraid for their safety and were told not to leave. So, again, these are, like, tone-deaf decision-making. <laughs> Well, that, well, that's the thing. At best, at best, this is tone deaf. At worst, they don't care. And this is one of the things I was actually talking about on Twitter today in discussing the, the Ed Wood film is, you know, who someone said in the midst of all of this, this is a good idea to keep on going with. This is something that we should definitely show, you know. This this is questionable at best to just sick pornography on people unbeknownst to them. But in this current climate and in, in all of the accusations that are surrounding Fantastic Fest and all of the discussions that are being had both at the festival itself and on Twitter and on other forms of social media, to have that just getting a pass is shocking. Yeah, well, it's really interesting to see the different takes that have come out of that because I saw a lot of very, I don't even know how to explain it, not differences of opinion, but just a lot of like, different takes on what happened last night you know there were a couple of people that said oh, i was there and it definitely was not porn well, i don't was... know what you all are talking about it didn't glorify anything and so it's just it's really interesting to see how people are really so becoming so divided a here to unpack with with everything that's happened in very rapid succession as far as the edwin movie 
having read about Edward and I have I've seen clips of the film in question it's a stupid choice it's just a stupid choice the movie itself yeah. it's an Edward porn I mean if you've read about Edward the man was making porn by the end of his career it's very cheap um, it's very salacious and scandalous. Um, but it was, I'm sure had it played at any other time, it would have been fine. At this time, though, it was the stupidest choice that they could have made. To at least not tell people, this is the movie that we're going to show. The, it was complicated by the fact that I guess yeah. during a Q&A, people had been asking the the speakers how they felt about showing this film. And because the speakers were not Fantastic Fest staff but were just people that had been invited to speak about the film, they couldn't answer. And that just only complicated matters because people interpreted that as, well, they're hiding something. And that was, that supposedly was not the case. See, that's good to know because I hadn't heard that. And I was just going to ask for some clarification because that was one thing I heard Yeah, they were just panel guests. But regardless, they're still choosing not to address it. I mean, I can't imagine, I I can't imagine that people at Fantastic Fest right now, whether you're panel guests, whether you're... (laughs) critics, whether you're filmmakers, whoever, have not heard what has been going on. This has been really public. This has been talked about a great deal. I I know just from people that I've spoken to who are at the festival, this has been talked about a great deal at the festival. This has been talked about a great deal online. This has been really, really public. So to to just, to not have an opinion does feel disingenuous to me. Um, As far as the Knowles stuff, from what everybody's saying, this has been something that people knew for decades. Um, once again, once again, you get to hear about people say, well, we all knew about it. We just didn't say anything because he was making us money. <laughs> I mean, and it's like, where have you asked? Exactly. Last like, two, um, I, I want to say years. there was talk that there was a documentary being made a couple years ago about about, you know, the industry and that there were allegations made then the women did not want to talk about it at the time as as I mean, if. If anything, this has just allowed people to bring up some of the Harry Knowles reviews that he's written. And as somebody who used to be a frequent reader of Ain't It Cool when it came out, I mean, if anything, we should have known Harry Knowles was a pervert and a shitty writer. Um, Because if you've read some of his stuff, not only is it just the most grotesque, you know, masturbation masquerading as criticism, but it's really shittily written. Like, that's, that's kind of my big takeaway. Um, you know, this was a guy that got, you know, a pass for writing a review about heroes and going on for paragraphs about whether Hayden Panettiere's hymen was going to grow back um, or uh, describing uh, Blade Two as, like, oral sex. I mean, it's just, we, we gave him a pass and we said that that was okay, um, and it's not. And it's forced a lot of... You know, the, the thing that always irks me when stuff like this happens is, you know, Knowles is on Twitter as if nothing has happened. You know, he's acting yeah. like this is just mm-hmm. not a problem. He's not going to acknowledge it. It's not an issue. And, you know, I, I posted on Twitter about this very topic. It's very telling the male critics who run sites, and I know many of them, who have not said anything about this. And if you're not saying anything about it, then you're complicit and you're okay with it. So... You know, you're telling me that if I feel unsafe at a film event, well, that sucks for you. Maybe, you know, wear some coveralls and, you know, don't smile at people. You know, that's that's my thing. Well, and and the other thing that that came out in the IndieWire article was that the leagues had had said this pretty much the same thing that they said about Devin Faraci, which was, 
when this woman came to them saying, like, I have been harassed by Harry Knowles, their reaction was, oh, we're really sorry. Uh, we don't know what to do about it. Just avoid him. Yep. That seems to be the, uh, the, the phrase for all of us. <laughs> and, that, and that attitude is, and, and that's the thing, that's, that's an attitude that has been replayed in one form or another across the film community and across and, and across the culture at large. Across culture. But you know, yeah. we're we're talking about the film community right now. And that that attitude like, you know, so but this I, I don't I don't know and I don't think that some people realize, men and women, realize how dangerous and damaging this is. Because it puts everything on the woman. It puts everything on her just like, well, just avoid him. We're not actually going to do anything. Yeah, this is terrible that this happened to you. We're not actually going to do anything about it. Just just don't be in the same room with him. It's like, I'm going, to a, I'm going to a film festival. I'm going to a film screening. I don't know if I'm going to be in the same room with him. I don't know if this creep is going to come up behind me and try to grab me. I don't know that. And you're essentially saying that I am on my own. Uh, no, one, no one in power is going to do anything yeah. about that. And that's horrific and it's cruel and it it doesn't create a nice environment for film culture you know it doesn't you're, you're you know people talk about alamo and fantastic fest as being this wonderful experience it's just like i don't want to go to a place or be in a situation where i'm constantly checking behind me or, or trying to see if some guy's going to grab me or say something inappropriate to me or make me feel uncomfortable in this like space that I that I'm supposed to be here enjoying movies well, with a bunch of people. I love the mentality from a lot of people about well we just want to enjoy the films. You know, why do we have to and and yeah. women I'm pretty sure want to be able to go to the movies as well and not have to worry about a hand on their ass. Um you know, for me I was I was telling a friend about this um on Twitter and I said, you know, I'm fortunate. You know, I have not been put in a situation with a, a male critic where it's turned into harassment of a sexual nature but it does make me feel like I've been walking around like a moron with a target on my back this entire time because I don't feel vigilant I don't I don't keep on my guard you know in this entire time maybe I should have you know am I willingly putting myself in a situation that I could be in danger someday and you should not have to think about that when you're going somewhere it's true we shouldn't have to think about about those things because they shouldn't it shouldn't ever be an issue. And that's where, I mean, this is a conversation that we kind of had on Twitter the other day, too, about, you know, men who call themselves allies. And sometimes they're they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. And sometimes I think they just don't even know what an ally really means and and how to be one. They don't know that they're not actually Yeah, and an that's, ally. that's where I brought up the whole concept of if you haven't condemned, you know, Harry Knowles or Devin Ferrati or any of them on Twitter... I'm really starting to question whether you know what the term ally means. Yeah. Well, and I also want to see, like, actual activity. I want to see, you know, so there, there has been a lot of people saying, or a lot of editors, a lot of male critics, a lot of female critics saying, like, okay, this isn't acceptable. It's just like, okay, so what are you going to do about it? Particularly for the people in power. The mm -hmm. people who have the ability to employ these men, who have the ability to alter the way that their outlets run, who have the ability to choose what they cover and what they don't. What are they going to do about this culture that has obviously been fostered for a very long time? And, you know, I'm not going to say there's just Fantastic Fest, there's just Draft House, but that's kind of the focus of it right now. And, um, what and are they going to do? You have to, you know, look at 
the critics organizations that exist. I know that I am a part of a critics organization and we have no policy in place for sexual harassment at all. And when I broached that subject last year after Farachi came out and sent out an email calling for zero tolerance of harassment of gender, I can tell you that many members said, well, Farachi's not a member, so who cares? Yes, but it could be one of our members one day. And you should want to create an environment that's safe for female members. And I can tell you that in the last couple of, of the last day, a member of the organization I'm a part of has been called out as an abuser. And once again, I brought up the fact that there is no policy in place for sexual harassment. And I was once again met with, well, you know, we don't really know. You know, it's the concept that if we let in one, all these false allegations are going to come in. And uh, exactly. Which is bullshit. So there is talk about the organization that I'm in creating a zero tolerance harassment policy. That's all great, but what I'm concerned about is what happens when that needs to be implemented. Well, and and the the problem I think is that there it isn't just one person. If it was just yeah. Devin Faraci and Harry Knowles, if it was just a that would be such an easy dudes, fix. That would be great. It would be such an easy fix. Just like oh, we just get rid of them and everything's fine. But it is systemic, and and I think that and just very recently, within the past couple of days, more and more women have begun saying like oh yeah, well, this guy's done this to me, and this guy's done this to me, and these are not, you know, these are not these are not random dudes on the street. These are guys that we're sitting in screenings with. And it's very disturbing, and no one has done anything about it. And so, I, yeah, if my, I, I said this on Twitter, if you're an ally, this is your time to step up. This is your time to actually prove that, and that might mean that you're going to have to Make some bad choices. You're going to have to call out some of your bros that you really love and that you respect and everything. That you're going to have to give up certain things that you believe in and that you love in order to be an ally and to protect women. Period. Right. And I think that that's where, uh, that's where it really comes down to. I mean, I know it is a difficult choice for, for people when they have to cut ties with someone or, you know, they have to to put their foot down and say, no, we're not going to work with this person or with that organization. But if you're serious about protecting people, then you have to do those things. You just, you have to. Well, let's, does anybody have anything else they'd like to add to wrap that up? We good? Yep. Okay. Yep. Very well, let's, <laughs> I mean, we could talk forever about this, I know, yeah. but well, let's just kind of end on a more positive note I think um I did get to see the movie Victoria and Abdul so I just wanted to quickly just review that so basically in a nutshell the film is um it's based on the true story it was written by I don't have the author's name in front of me but it it's based on a book about this Indian man named Abdul who kind of accidentally ends up on this mission to go to from India to England to deliver a gift to Queen Victoria and this is about toward the last part of her life and she's kind of taken with him when she sees him she thinks he's very handsome and there's something about him that intrigues her and so she wants to get to know him a little bit better and so the film is really about these last 20 years of her life it spans a lot of time and it's just about this beautiful relationship this friendship that they have where he 
taught her Urdu and she taught him all these, you know, things about British history and culture and, and it's just this lovely friendship. And that's one of the things that was really nice about it. It's just this, it, it, it's very funny at times and it felt a little bit, it reminded me of some, some kind of a Jane Austen type of story where you just, it, there wasn't all the misunderstandings and all the intrigue and all that as far as like who's going to get together, but it just the fun playfulness of it. It was lighthearted. You have some really interesting uh, supporting roles. You have Eddie Izzard played uh, Birdie, who becomes like he was her successor, and he became uh, King George the was it the fifth. But anyway, and he's just this like horrible person, super racist, hates Abdul, and that's what everybody in the film, they're they're just like out to just get him, and they try to make it out like she's gone crazy, and but at the center of it, it's just this this really sweet story. So I, uh, I recommend it. I will throw I out that it. the book is written by Shrabani Basu. Thank you. That's it. Yes, and actually, that author got to see. Queen Victoria's journals that she wrote in Urdu that actually when Bertie became the king he had destroyed a lot of her stuff and but they never destroyed those journals because they just thought it was a bunch of gibberish because it just didn't look like anything and it was actually all in Urdu and they were able to translate what she said so or what she wrote so it's pretty neat Ooh, so that's cool. so that's Victoria and Abdul all right well let's wrap up this second episode so if you'd like to follow us on Twitter, we are at Citizen Dame Pod, and you can also find us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Citizen Dame. Kristen, where can they follow you? I am on Twitter at journeys underscore film. Uh, you can also check out uh, my contemporary writing at medium.com slash at Kristen Lopez, and you can download my classic film podcast, Ticklish Business, at ticklishbusiness.podbean.com. Lauren, where are you? I'm on Twitter at LHBusiness, uh, that's L-H-B-I-Z-N-E-S-S, and I'm also uh, on my personal blog, uh, suddenlyashotrangout.com. And Kimberly? I am on Twitter at kpierce624, and you can find me on Geek Girl Authority as well, and my personal blog at KimberlyCPierce.com. Great, and I am on Twitter and Instagram at Karen M. Peterson, and also my personal blog is a peek at Karen'sWorld.com. You should so, also as, we should also mention uh, that the podcast can be downloaded uh, via CitizenDame.Podbean.com, and you can also find us on iTunes. We are on there uh, as well as Stitcher Radio and Player FM. Yes, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. So. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening.